What Guanawaradu Sewaguego on this edition of the Auntie's Dandelion were visiting with singer, composer, musicologist, Juno and Polaris Prize winner, language carrier, and exuberant indigiqueer futurist Jeremy Dutcher. Jeremy's prize-winning 2018 debut album titled Wulustuquiak Linda Waganawa features duets with his Wulustuquiak ancestors. His singing partners were recorded on wax cylinders by an anthropologist over a century ago, and he describes how he was guided to that project by the formidable aunties in his communities. Taking back what's ours kind of underpins a lot of the work in terms of the literal transference and rematriation of our culture, which um, goes from the hands of colonial institutions, like museums, like archives, like universities, like churches, all of that stuff, and transferring that into the hands of our people. And it's a celebration, feeling like really, really guided by by these powerful women around me and, and, and just trusting that the wisdom in which they've accrued in this life will be a safe guide. Part one of our visit covers Jeremy's journey from his studies to be an opera singer to the international recognition he received for his groundbreaking first album. He describes a tender moment with his mom when he showed her the glorious and very revealing gown he wore to receive the 2018 Polaris Prize. She kind of looked at it a little sideways and said, oh, honey, like, I thought this was about the culture, you know, this project. And aren't you worried that you'll distract from that? And I said, mom, this is the culture, though. You know, we have to remember that that gender play and those people that were between our two spirit brothers and sisters, there was always a place for us. We'll post part two of our visit in December, where Jeremy talks about his community's language revitalization, his recent collaboration with Yo-Yo Ma, and last summer's appearance on Canada's Drag Race. So make sure you come back for that. We are Yatinistaha Nede Garun Yaganare, the Auntie Standylion, and we are focused on revitalizing our communities through stories of land, language, and relationship. We invite you to take a breath and make some tea and visit with us for these important and regenerative stories. And don't forget to listen to your aunties. The auntie energy around um, around this continent is like strong. Isn't it? Yeah, wow. And uh, I know we're going to get to it and talk about it, but I just like, I'm excited to be a part of this auntie project. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's really beautiful anytime that we can get together and talk about the women who guide us, mm-hmm. you know, for me, that's a really important, it's been an important theme throughout my life. So I'm just like, anytime, mm. anytime that opportunity arises or to talk about language or to talk about Mm-hmm. anything you know i know that's all right so we're here i just it's a absolute honor to sit with you and, and to have this discussion oh, so it's an honor to be here and the pronunciation of your album okay i just want to make sure wellness pretty close i'll break i usually break it down like this our territory um runs from the gulf of st lawrence uh 
down to the Zubayaguk, down mm. to the ocean, all the way through western New Brunswick. And that river system that goes from St. Lawrence to the ocean is called Wolastuk. Okay. So Wolastuk is the river. That's a beautiful... Wolastuk. Yeah, Wolastuk. Mm. It's got that ending cue on it. It kind of makes a... Mm-hmm. Sound. It's, it's one of the most beautiful. Mm, it's a oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like to say it's like it, you're saying a K, but you blow a W through it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. My my grandmother would say, don't make a meal out of it. You know, <laughs> just Wolostok. Because it's really subtle when you hear the old ones speak. It's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, so the river is called Wolostok. The, the language is called Wolostokwe. So we speak the way of the river, Oof. you know, and then we are as the people of that river are the Wulustawiyik, Wulustawiyik, Wulustawiyik. And that's that first word. So we're the people of the beautiful river, Wulustawiyik. And then I like to break that second word down kind of in, uh, because our, our languages, and I, I believe Goingahaga is the same kind of verb based. You kind yeah. of start with the verb and then you're kind of adding on to the verb either direction right. to, to point the verb and, and, and talk about the action. Mm-hmm. So for uh, so for example, that second word, um, the verb to sing, like he or she sings, is lintu. 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 So lintuagen, lintuagen is a song. Lintuagen. So you sing a song, it lintu, lintuagen. And then multiple, like a uh, pluralized version of songs <laughs> is uh, lintuagenua. Lintua Genua. Lintua Genua. That's perfect. Lintua Genua. Hey, Is there a little pause under wa? Lintua Genua. Just like a, there's a little. Uh, yeah, probably. Lintua Genua. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Lintua Genua. Wallastorwiek. Wallastorwiek. Lintua Genua. Oh, it's perfect. Ooh, I feel it. It's uh, and I, do you feel that? Yeah. 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 Always like when 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 those words. I've been encouraged now to not even talk about fluency anymore. Yeah. Elders talk about, talk about flow. Mm-hmm. Is it fluid? Mm-hmm. You know? And when it starts, when we start to say these words and it feels that sense of fluidity, oh, that it's feels, good. it feels like you're speaking, yeah, with the, with the, with the mouths of your, your like the ones who went before. Nourishing. Mm-hmm. It's nourishing. Yeah. yeah. Right, thank you for asking. I, and thank you for your patience. And I like to break it down in that way too, because it, it, it really shows the complexity and the beauty of our words and everything that they hold. Because, you know, sometimes I think as language learners, we sit and we have these big, long words and they just, they overwhelm us. Yes. You know, and I think if we can just go slow, be easy with each other and, and show where it comes from, like kind of show the work. That's you know, right. How, how we get from this to this to this. Um, then it makes it kind of like a fun like game, like we're doing it together rather than uh, a lot of times people start right away with an apology, you know, yes. oh, I can't say this or, you know, I'm really going to struggle here. It's like, well, you know. It amazes me. I've listened to a lot of interviews with you and it amazes me how people just avoid that completely. It took me such a long time to find it in, mm. in an interview right. so I could even try. It's like our languages in my mind are, are, are like a beautiful poetry that is like, oh, yeah. And I think if, and there's so many people, the, the, the ones that see it are totally switched on by it because it is this kind of, you can be so creative in how you build our words and how you express in that language. In, 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 I believe in any indigenous language uh, because it is, it's, it's relational and it's, it's, it's action. And um, 
it makes for the best stories, you know. The, the like our orators when they just go off in language, it's like uh, it's truly a, just a, a beautiful art form. You were saying that you did the the immersion program for for Mohawk language. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how uh, can you tell me a bit about like how long was that? Maybe like that was, what was a, your experience a three year adventure. Yeah. And every day, like every yes, day for three years. Wow. Yes, every day. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and it was. It still is the hardest thing I've ever done, and the most beautiful thing. I don't mean to be like you know, no. but it's true. Yeah, it's true, and it's still. Even this morning, I got up, I listened to Ganyungeha. There's this podcast that I listen to, and I translate it, and then I speak with friends twice a week Whoa. who are a little more fluent than I am, and just. Getting keep it, yeah. keep it going, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a beautiful, and that was when we first saw your concert in Guelph, and right. we were yelling and screaming. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the aunties are here together. Yeah, yeah. And, the and the whole immersion school was there. Most, I think, oh. there were fourteen or fifteen of us that went together to. That's so awesome. See you Thank yeah. you, by the way, for coming through like that. And it's like, honestly, this. That particular element of, of what I get to do and kind of go around and share music, when I get to be in conversation with with people that are doing this work in their own contexts, in their own ways, yeah. you know, bringing forward language like that is um, it's just so beautiful because you get to reflect on the fact that we're not in this alone. That's right. I, I think this work can feel really, really solitudinous and like kind of like... Oh, the the hill is so big mm-hmm. in order to get, just to even get it back to where it was last generation. That's right. Right. You know, I reflect on the fact that when my mom was young, Wulistikwe was the, the lingua franca. It was the, the language of every day, mm-hmm. you know. And just in one generation, we've seen this flip where it's now we're considered severely endangered language. And you have less than a hundred speakers? Less than a hundred speakers, oh which is, yeah, TikTok. You know, it's like, it makes it um, very pointed for, and this is kind of always the way it was when we were coming up. It was very um, directed at us to say, like, it's you. It's you guys. You're the generation that's going to save this language. Yeah, which is a lot no of pressure. There's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, a sense of responsibility yeah. definitely was woven into every time we heard that language and um mm-hmm. i think some yeah some people really rose to that pressure and like uh wanted to and it, it turned a lot of people off though too right that's, yeah i can see where that could happen and that's what i appreciate about what you're bringing to this space is the play and your music as language and the expression, your fashion icon status, oh, come, on. come on. But all of that yeah. is is part of the joy that you're bringing to these spaces. Yeah. I feel a little emotional already. Oh, okay, let's we're do two it. minutes in let's and I'm... Let's do it. This is going to be a heart conversation. Uh, let's I'm get into already. it. I'm crying already. So, I'm so happy. Um, no, this is it's really one thing that I, I try to take from from those who have gone before um somebody like buffy saint marie she gave a beautiful piece of advice and said don't forget music is play Mm. play is the ultimate word there you know we gotta we gotta honor that sense of exploration and freedom because as as musical artists this is our it's our currency we get to we get to 
be in play more than most people. Yes. So so let's show that joy and let's show that. And, and even though we're telling hard stories, especially, you know, indigenous artists, we're, we're often looking at very hard truths in, in our songs and in, in, in very hard political situations. And yet, um, so often it's done with humor and joy and, and yeah. beauty. And I think uh, I'm always trying to orient back to that. Because mm-hmm. I think there's a, yeah, for me, uh, I see a, a consumption of our pain, you know, and our stories that are hard. Absolutely. And uh, I don't want to contribute and, and play into that because it's what- like I, what trauma fetish yeah, of our pain. Yeah, mm-hmm. because what I see is, what I when I look, I see is beauty and revitalization and resilience, you know, and it, it matters where we point the camera. Um, and Indigenous people- can go a long way kind of economically, you know, if you buy into that, that's what the overculture really wants to hear Hmm. is, is that it's not that we can't express our sadness, but to fetishize that trauma is something different. Well, it just, it it puts, it puts us like, those are the only stories that we have. Right. And we know that this is not even scratching the surface of the depth of, of, of the, the narratives and and of the of the old stories and, and 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 everything that those songs can offer, I just think there's we miss it when we when we look at the. Not to say that those stories aren't important to come forward and be told, because right. I think they absolutely are, um, but we just can't we can't be stuck in that place because it sticks us in a place. It too, does, right? And I think like oh. Yeah, we have this beautiful. Yeah, we have a beautiful word in our language, ligao, and ligao is like, um, oh, you poor thing. Yeah, you know this kind of. It it, it sometimes can be said in a in a in a sincere way, but often it's kind of like. Kind of a little jokey, a little like, oh, you poor thing. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm not interested. I I always say like, I don't want to have a legal powwow. Like I'm not, I'm not interested in that. Um, Because yeah, there's just, there's a, there's too much work to be done. Yeah. You know, and it's like, we get, when we get stuck in the, oh, I wish it was this. I couldn't be this. And, you know, it's just like, well, just Again, I'm going to go back to Buffy again, just because yeah. she has this beautiful quote. I know, I love how you uh, talk about an auntie, holy. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Like, um, I just, somebody's words you look to, and that has kind of gone ahead and done it, and then sends word back from the field, you know, that's kind of stuff that I look to. Anyway, so she said, um, if what you want is not on the menu, go into the kitchen, cook it up, and show them how good it tastes. Mm. You know, and it's it's a critical difference from the oh, right. like isn't this hard? Isn't this bad? Yes, one hundred percent. But we know that there is there's wisdom and beauty and teachings in what we have to offer to humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, and we need to sh- that it, this is the moment that it needs to be shown because we don't have any time left. You know, the 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 hour is now. That. And- you talk about narrative sovereignty, which I love. So you have all these phrases that are coming back from the field that I'm latching right onto, And I think that this fits in with what you're saying around narrative sovereignty um, and the stories that we hold as Indigenous people, um, how they're ultra relevant. They're not just relevant. Um, can you talk more about that? I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, a narrative sovereignty is us taking our stories back and getting to tell them kind of for the first time in a in in in, a, in an outward way. Um they don't know us. They don't really know us. True. Um like really. Uh, because every projection that they've had of of who indigenous people are is just a is a reflection of themselves, which is to say <laughs> uh bloodthirsty savages mm -hmm. um, because when they came that's 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 what they wanted to see yeah and they didn't see uh our philosophers and our artists and and all of the the deep teachings within language and these cultures yeah and so um they came expecting kings and queens you know and they're still they're still in that space right. you know i had um Kind of an eye-opening experience. I was I was back home and sitting. Uh, this was kind of uh, it was last year when kind of the 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 Mi'kmaq lobster fishery mm -hmm. thing was really popping off, and uh, with the Acadian fishers. And uh, I was sitting with uh, Henrietta. She's like the she's our the the oldest speaker now left. Mm -hmm. uh, she's ninety three years old, and she's amazing. Oh my gosh. Um, like sitting with her is like a master class every time in our language. But she said, she said, you know, this whole thing is a misunderstanding. And of course, I we just kind of like, because, yeah, we thought she was talking about the lobster stuff. But I said, well, what do you mean? She said the whole thing. She meant the entire encounter between indigenous and non-indigenous peoples. Mm -hmm. She said, when they... Well, okay. Uh, side sidebar to this story is our, our our word for the chief is sagam, mm -hmm. sagam, and our word for lobster is sug. So sug becomes sagam. Mm -hmm. The the chief, and this is what she was explaining. She says the chief is not what they think it is. You know, when they came here and they said we want to talk to your chief, we sent them the sagam, the lobster, the hard shell. Which goes out and meets. This is not. And there's so much behind. You know, and they were like, "This is the this is their king. This is their because they came expecting kings and queens." And so, uh, and some, males. That's the thing. Yeah. But something that was shared with me was like, we all wore crowns. Mm -hmm. We all wore crowns here because we had that sense of true equality. And that's not to say that we didn't have representatives of the people, but there was a sense of like true equality in this place. And um, ever since that first misunderstanding of like, we sent this out because that that chief is just a representative who's 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 kind of being the outward face, but also um, in our teachings is to like execute what the the clan mothers and grandmothers want. That's right. Right. So I think we're, our cultures, yeah. especially, are so so similar. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. in most indigenous cultures, yes. And yet, are uh, that way. But particularly know? geographically yes. located, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of shared understandings, mm -hmm. let's say, between our peoples, you know. And I think this is one of them, right? And that mm -hmm. that kind of misunderstanding of our leadership, of really missing the point when it came to speaking to this is it put us on a trajectory where they couldn't even see us. That's right. Because they thought they were just meeting themselves in buckskin. But it was never that. It was never that. Like the 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 difference in our starting places in philosophy just they create a like we almost you know we had to go through all of this in order just to even speak to each other. 
because I think now we're finally realizing, oh, like they don't know us because we never really had a seat at the table or like narrative sovereignty. And so they've just been telling like fantasies about us, yes. like cowboys and Indian shit, like, you know, all of this stuff that's kind of just missing the mark. And now, 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 I feel like we're in this space and opportunity where we're sitting in the rooms or the script writing rooms, or we are telling our own stories in our languages. You know, this stuff is all coming forward right now and it has to, um, but it, and it's going to change things, but it took a long time to get here. It did. You know, and a lot of, a lot of muddied waters mm-hmm. around what could have always been, which is a relationship of kinship and of of uh, sharing and and true like uh, um, it could have just been so beautiful, and it will be again. It will be too. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And just even you know that's woven into the wampum belt that understanding, yeah. right? That beauty and that. You stay over there, we'll stay over here, and we're gonna like polish each other's shape, blah, 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 you know, like, you know, but yeah. that gets, that gets missed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, continually they do look for like, who's in charge, you right. know, and it's like, this is a free, these are free people. Right. But we do have laws, free. which is not yeah. to say we don't, cause like, here we, we go. Let's, responsibilities. let's check out those laws and responsibilities. Let's yeah. go to the belts. And yeah, I think the return of our belts and like really people fully understanding what those mean and 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 that's a big piece of how we're gonna shift i think um wampum is like a yeah it's a very powerful it's holding it's yeah holding those truths right beautifully and, and, and feeling and, and the ceremonies that go with that in terms mm-hmm. of how they're read and how they're orated and how they are um extended and gifted too like uh we're just now seeing this emergence like kind of coming back to the east uh like in the, the like to the sea peoples, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, that wampum tradition is really emergent right now. And we've now, like, it's been hundreds of years, but our belts are kind of coming out and back again. That's right. You know, and um, it's re- uh, it's just a, it's a great time. It's it a, is a great as time. As they say, it's a good day to be indigenous. <laughs> it is for um, sure. And I have a friend who's a seed keeper and saver. Oh, yeah. And that, she has a group in Tindanega. They made a new wampum around them being gifted seeds, gifted seeds back from a group that had held them for 30 years. They made, and they went through all the right channels. They made a new wampum belt around that. And that's where we are. Like, you know, those don't just get locked in a museum. They're free, they're released, Mm -hmm. and they're being made to this day, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. So could we could we do your intro in language? Yeah, happy to. Yeah. Um, I love that we're just off to the races. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We could go on for hours and hours, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, okay, so um, I guess I'm talking to everyone. Got to remember. Okay. Kwebsidewen, ntliwe spigudwe aji plagen, ntliwe Jeremy Dutcher, naga ntujea unegutko wabanaki ko. The guys we go and do Tiage, Naga Pside Yell Gadaman Naga Edge Wilde Dahazi Ehuda Bemgiskok Nida Big. Very happy to be here with my friend today. Um, I just said my name is, is Jeremy and um, my other name in my language and. Um, I, I come from the from the Willisto week, the people of the beautiful river. Um, 
now I reside in, in Jyotiage in Montreal and kind of everywhere, which is where I sing, kind of uh, flying around. Is that your name for Montreal? Uh I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our name for Montreal. Really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, they're so close. <laughs> Cousin. Cousin. Um, yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's it's a great pleasure to be in conversation with you because exactly for this reason, yeah. I feel like there's such a, a kinship in, in, in our languages and in, 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 in how our ancestors would have related to each other and keeping those ties strong. And um, it's really important, you know, especially in this time, I think... Yeah, whether or not it's Indian Act policy or or just the separation of assimilation, but uh, yeah, sometimes it feels like those those bonds of of nationhood are far, mm-hmm. you know, especially living in like a city or you know feeling like, oh yeah, I got to remember that you know this is, I, I'm coming here as an uninvited guest in Mohawk territory, you know, I got to like <laughs> always remember that pay tribute to my. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, but anyway, it's so much to say. It's really nice to sit down with you and 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 kind of relate and and also uh, greet in language, you know. Yeah. And and every time too, I, I I like to sit and 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 say this kind of, especially when I do sit with somebody and talk about language. I was given a teaching by a a, a two spirit jingle dress dancer who's Cree from out west, and she's a speaker of Nishnabe Moin. And when I came and sat with her, uh, she just started speaking to me in her language. Mm. And she says, you'll remember. Mm-hmm. And so, and I was like, and you know, it took, a, it took a while, but there were some words that I caught and she would do a little translation at the end. But anyway, so much to say. I think just speaking to each other is really important. Um, so... With that, I'll say no miss signagamos and say Willy went to Laduagan. Gizzy Manuak on a chill kneel on kneel on stuggets no leodeminin till which go buzzy did. Um, so it's something we like to say when we gather around our language, mm-hmm. which is to thank the grandmothers and the grandfathers for protecting it. Yes, you know, because uh, it's amazing that we're able to sit and to create work around language. You know, and that it's even it's even here with us today. That's it's a true miracle. It is. Uh, it is a miracle. Yeah, because they worked really hard to get rid of it, yeah. and uh, they didn't. So um, here we are. Wonderful. <laughs> it's a pleasure to sit with you. It is a pleasure. Well, and you know, our belief, and I imagine this is your belief as well, that the language emanate, emanates from the land, right? And so can you tell me about your land and where you're from and oh, what it's like? Gladly. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, exactly. This is this is a very, a, a teaching that has been echoed to me through my life, which is that, you know, the language is the land and the land is the language. They are inextricably connected. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as we've seen a, a, a losing of our land and access to that land, so have we seen losing access to our language, right? And so we're in a we're in a transformational moment right now because um, we're seeing these, and because of shining examples of our of our relatives um, who have been doing immersion programs, language nests, schools, all of these things, um, we now have uh, we just opened our first language school last week. Oh, what immersion? Yeah. Beautiful. Totally. Um, so, yeah. Beautiful. A fire has started. Wow. You know. So. Um, it's really awesome work that's happening. Uh, it's also a really uphill climb too, 
you know, mm-hmm. and we're we're in the fight of our lives. So, um, but you ask about the land. So mm-hmm. I'll tell you. Um, but it's 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 related to a river, right? So Wulustuk is um, a river that runs from Wasibegu down to Zubegu. So from the St. Lawrence River down to the ocean and through the western part of the province of New Brunswick. And our territory kind of lies from the mountains. Um, our Mi'kmaq neighbors on the east of us, and there's a mountain that separates us in New Brunswick and kind of all the way down in Maine too, right? Because we did not cross the border, the border crossed us. And and so uh, we share with the with the Passamaquoddies mm-hmm. uh, right across the border, we have the same language. It's literally, we share a dictionary, it's the same language, oh, yes. but we've been split by that border, yeah. you know? And so uh, now we have these cult- cultural paths that have diverged, but we share that common history and, and language. So that river, but it comes back to the river, right? Because yeah. Wulustuk, we are Wulustuk, we are people of that river. And so um, it's called the basin. So it's like, it kind of comes down from the from the hills. And that river is 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 kind of our our everything, right? It was our it was our highway, mm-hmm. you know. It was our it was our food source. It was, um, you know something we pray to you know so it it holds a really really big essential piece of who we are you know as as Wulustuik and um yeah so uh, but you know to see it oh right I should totally explain that word to Wulustuik um because uh, a lot of our la- languages and place names are super relational to what's around them, right? Yeah. So the two waterways that kind of frame Willistook are the St. Lawrence River, very fast, big waterway, mm-hmm. rushing, you know, and then the ocean, which is its own kind of beast, right? So um, Willistook actually translates to the peaceful wave. Mm-hmm. So we are the people of the peaceful wave, and that, um, because it's relational, right? Because when you look at those other waterways around it, Ulustuk is just the most, there's no ripple. It's just like the easy flow. It's almost no still, oh. but it just moves in such a like easy way. And so we were, yeah, for a long time we were called the Maliseets. I don't know if you've ever heard that name before. I've seen it. Really. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's like... Uh, you know, they had this, the colonizers had this bad habit of like coming and like talking to people being like, Hey, who are those Indians over there? Right. You know, talking about, yeah. yeah you know, and mm-hmm. so not everyone has good things to say about their neighbors. Right. So, right. so they called us Malise and yeah. Maliseet kind of became, uh, but that means the ones that, that talk poorly, they don't talk like us, you know? <laughs> So it's a little shady. I don't know. I don't know. And it kind of stuck. So we're, we've been in this whole, because naming is super important, right? Yeah. And we've been in this kind of rebranding campaign to take back our name and ensure that we are spoken about how we speak about ourselves, Absolutely. which it relates to the river, right? And that's the narrative sovereignty too, right? Hey, that's exactly how it. How you're being spoken about. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then also inviting people into that conversation yeah. and really being gentle with them as we are all kind of relearning. Right. We were all even even a lot of our own people were miseducated and, and just weren't educated around right. around who we are. Right. Like oh, I had last time I was home, I had the most precious, precious experience um, 
there was like a group of people sitting around and, and one of the young, <laughs> they didn't even, they were too nervous to ask me, but they asked their mom to ask me, what are we called? Mm. Like, I hear a lot of different, I hear a lot of different words. Like, am, 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 I, am I an Indian or am I Maliseed or am I Wolostook? Right. Original. Or, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and what a, what a difficult question to answer too. And to hold that space of everything. Because throughout my life, even, I've been called so many things. Like, I remember being Native and Aboriginal and mm-hmm. all of these things, and now Indigenous, I guess. Um, yeah. And so I kind of tried to hold a lot in that answer when I answered that young person to say, it's kind of whatever you decide. And there is there is a reason that we use Aboriginal still in this country and it's political and it's uh it's treaty and it's it's about our rights and that's important to know mm-hmm. you know in terms of the context that we use it um there's a reason we use indigenous to talk about the broad global perspective of who we are as indigenous peoples you know we are many but that s is very important too right because right. we are different and we are distinct and that's when we start to get that hyper specific language coming in like like we are wabanaki mm-hmm. we are people mm-hmm. of the east or we are wulastuk we are the river people rather than the ocean people that's the that's them over there mm-hmm. we are and then but all, so i'd really laid it out and explained it but at the end of the day you're going to choose and it's going to be whatever feels right for you and then that involves the learning journey. That's it. Right. Um, so I tried to leave space for all that. And then at the end of this conversation, there's an elder sitting in the corner. And of course, Hafsa had the final say. And, and just kind of, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm an Indian. <laughs> you know, just got born in India. I'm going to die in Indian. Um, and who Whoa. and who am I? And who am I to deny that of anyone? <laughs> of course, that's your experience, right? Yeah. Like I'm trying to hold all this space for all this <laughs> contemporary so language. And walking it through. <laughs> yeah. And then this person in the corner is just like, I'm an Indian. Um, right, because that's that's kind of the limit of the language that was given at that time, right? That's right. The limits of our language are the limits of our mind. Ooh. Yeah. So the more that we have... I didn't have language for that. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> that was that's an original. That yeah. um, but you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, it's like uh, the more we have access to, the deeper we can describe our world, you know? That's right. That's right. And as a... What we, I want to know what you were like as a child. I mean, are you the same exact person? You know, who were you? Oh, uh, I, I've been told I was a rather strange child. <laughs> I spent a lot of time alone. Um, just got, so I'm the youngest of four brothers. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, there's a, like one who's quite a bit older, like 14 years older than me. So he was almost, by the time I had consciousness, he was like kind of out of the house. And he was yeah. like in my mind, is like, oh yeah, that's my brother. He's an amazing, he's a jeweler actually. He does incredible work. Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll set you up for this stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I have two brothers that are kind of close in age. And so they kind of hung out and were together. And then I was like five years young. So nobody, they didn't want to hang out with their little brother. No, no, no. My parents right. would sometimes force us together. But uh, <laughs> no, I spent a lot of time alone and I'm very, very um, appreciative of that. And it taught me a lot. Uh, I also like, um, 
I had like a visual impairment as well. Um, and so I spent a lot of time until I realized that or until my the people around me realized that I spent a lot of time with with really, really blurred vision. Oh, yeah. So like alone, kind of blind <laughs> in a way, um, just trying to figure out the world, feeling around, you know, figuring it out. Uh, I came to to music quite young, but not in a formalized way, like just in a in a play way. You know, where that was kind of, it was never discouraged in my home. Yeah. Um, but I never took lessons. Like, my, I had a brother who took piano lessons, and then the piano kind of became his thing. So, yeah. um, uncool younger. Yeah, brother. totally. Yeah. Uh-huh. He doesn't get time unless he's out of the house. So, it wasn't actually even until he left for college, and I was maybe 16. That I even started to play the piano. No kidding. Yeah. And I just started teaching myself, just sitting down with chords one at a time. Okay, that's a C chord. That's a G chord. Find my way through it. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of, I, I took to musical theater as well in school. I guess that's where the little drama, all the outfits and all that comes from, you know, that world of theater. And, and, and then I studied opera too, which is like yeah. to another to another degree of of dramatics. So I guess it kind of all kind of uh, formed together into this thing that I'm able to do right now. Um, weaving that together with, with those language teachings, um, with those, those songs, those old songs coming forward. Yeah. Um, finding that middle path in, in between those, those worlds that kind of are on the face of it, quite separate, the world of like classical music and, 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 piano things and the world of like tradition and chant music and yeah, and music. language yeah. yeah yeah and and so but it for me the yeah so far apart but you well because what i realize is it's it's breath right yeah it's just breath and it's the same breath to make those like deep operatic sounds to hit those notes it's the same kind of that needs to happen when you're when you're singing our songs too there's like that same bodily function and mm-hmm. we express they express the expression is so different but the the inhalation and the life that it takes in order to bring those forward is is the same so a- after i realized this it was just like walking them towards each other then and not not treating any one of them too precious yeah. even though i know them to be precious but kind of taking taking what I love of both and trying to weave them together, you know? Because, you know, there's a lot of, in that classical canon, there's a lot of classism, there's a lot of racism, there's a lot of that stuff yeah. embedded within that canon and that culture, right? So how do I take the the beauty and, and the, the instruments and all that stuff and weave it into something more beautiful, you know? That's what amazes me is that you don't seem to be afraid that that cannon will take you over. I think a lot of people do. And I, I learned from you in that way about mm. inhabiting those spaces completely because I just get mad. Yeah. You know, I get yeah. I get so mad. Well, And I think know? for a long time that was kind of the only option was because yeah. that was the only invitation was like you can come in you you. You, you can come, you bring your little folk songs into our concert hall. Right. And you know what? We're going to set you up with a composer who's going to write the music for you and put your little melody just in, in our context. And isn't that nice? It's just like a little addition to what they're already doing. Yeah. That's not how we did it, though. 
because I was coming in with like, here's the musical offering. Like I've already, we've already done the scores. They're here for you. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. Do you want in or not? Right. You know, you, you cooked it up like yeah. Buffy said. That's and, it. Cook it up so and delicious. show them how good it tastes. Show them how good it is. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it was a different exchange, I feel like, than had been before. But it's because it was different from this end, too. That's right. It's different from what you're bringing to the table. But because I was in both of those worlds, because I had had education in both of those worlds, yeah. I was able to speak their way and, and kind of insist on our way too okay. at the same time. So it's like this difficult space to hold, but also kind of frame it to them as like a real opportunity, you know, to say like, have you been engaging with indigenous communities? If not, yes. weird, uh, maybe you should, <laughs> you know, like there are, you know, I'm coming in like as an indigenous artist, I'm coming all the way from the other side of the country, you know, like, could we not maybe have an opener who's from the local community? And yeah. so we tried to do that every time, you know, we oh, tried to nice. infuse, um, local conversations into each time when we're going anywhere, you know, but uh, particularly with those orchestras and those organizations that are so slow moving to change. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Just tried to excite them with the sense of like, this is a whole new, you can talk to a whole new community, you know, and, and us taking ourselves into those spaces makes them feel seen and makes them feel like, Oh, this is our space too. And that's, isn't that exactly what wow. we want? You know? Wow. And then um, using the recordings, I love mm. what you said. I'll remind you that you said the track. So talk about those recordings mm. um, of ancestors, right, that have unending, unfurling beauty on every track. That was something that you said. Did I say yes. that? Oh, my gosh. Aren't you clever? Jeez. <laughs> All these 10 cent words. Oh, my gosh. Um, so yeah. how did that relationship out of, because that was very traditional academia yeah. and and training and then um how did those recordings come to you totally right yeah. so there's a it's a it's a big old long story i'm glad yeah. i'm glad we can do this sit down long form style you know mm -hmm. um because it's it's a it's yeah it's a story that really kind of put me on my path coming from that really constricted world of like this is what classical music is you're gonna like study hard for four years and then you're gonna be ready and you're gonna go and audition for the opera houses and then they're gonna say yes or no and then that's it right um oh i i just knew i guess because i was raised in a different way i knew that music was way more than that yeah and so i it was just being so dissatisfied with with what the vision that was being sold in school and like in the in the Western canon. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. we've got to go another way. Um, so it was just it turned into me sitting down in like the practice room. Okay, so we had like a fourth year final recital, right? And we got to like kind of put together a, a show of our choosing and and. I thought, oh, I'm going to do some, like, songs from home, maybe. Just try that out, see how it goes. So I would, like, go to the practice rooms, and I would sing these songs that I heard growing up and coming from home, and then I would just kind of sit at the piano and, like, oh, that kind of goes there, that chord goes there. You know, because there's a, there's, a, there's a music that underpins those melodies in my mind. Like, when, we, when I hear those, those old songs, even though they're just, you know, melody in a drum, mm -hmm. um, for me, there's, like, an orchestra underneath every time. 
you know, because there's so much movement and there's so much surprise and, oh, and then the beat switches and, the, you know, especially those, especially y'all songs too. <laughs> there's a lot in there. I'm like, I'm waiting for like the, the, the Mohawk Beethoven to come forward, you know, because I think it's going to be real good. Um, it's not me, but it's definitely someone. Um, anyway. Um, right. So I was sitting trying to figure out how to blend these two worlds, um, but just they were songs that I had heard kind of coming up. Uh, but I, I played them in Marisado so well received it was beautiful beautiful I was like there's something here yeah. you know we can marry and to be honest who gave me this this was a this was right around when Tribe Called Red was coming out yeah you know and what they were doing and, and really blending and marrying those styles of like EDM and traditional song together mm-hmm. and I was like it's possible we, there's, there's a there's a there's a way that we can bring who we are to every space you know and for me, I want to I wanna do that in this musical space. And so I started to become interested in my final year of university. I was doing a research project around, this is, this is real insider baseball, so like nerdy, but I was doing I love the nerdy. a study on the harmonic characteristics and like kind of like pitch centers of our traditional music. So I did a survey of like over a hundred traditional songs and like tried to find the harmonic language between them oh whoa yeah anyway it's a different podcast yeah but uh (laughs) but uh yeah it was in doing that work that i also got to go and sit down and have long-form interviews with song keepers Mm. and this changed my life getting to go and to sit with them and to hear stories about you know and it was it was just trying to not so much ask about the harmonic, you know, this, the, the raised fourth and the, doesn't matter yeah. to them. I, I wanted to ask about, you know, what was, how did song change from when you were a kid to now? And just walk me through the path. Like how did, what, what, what did, what did your childhood sound like? What do you remember hearing? And some people got so specific around, like, I remember the whipping of my mom as she bred this sweet grass. <laughs> and this is what... You know, really, really beautiful stuff. You know, not what I expected at all. But I remember this one interview um, that I did. It went on like five hours. And it was with a a Passamaquoddy songkeeper named Maggie Paul. um, Who who I had known growing up, like, because she kept lodge at at her home behind her house. And we were good. The kids would always go and she'd teach us songs and stuff. But it wasn't until this that I really got to sit down and, and kind of go through her story, you know, and find out about, because basically there was not much going on in the East Coast for Indigenous song mm. pre-AIM. Yeah. Right? Basically, a lot of people were just trying to assimilate and get by, yeah. you know, survive. Um, so she was involved in that in that early early movement. She was like, we didn't even we wanted to do we wanted to do a powwow. Uh, we didn't have money for anything. So she was like, the first one we flipped a garbage can upside down and just we did it. We got sticks and we had our little tin can powwow, and oh um, God, it built that. from there. And now we have these beautiful like powwows that have been running thirty years now. And and she anyway. So she was in my mind like the reason that song came back to the east so getting to hear her story 
and the trajectory. And she went everywhere. She went all around everywhere and collected all these songs and brought them home. Um, these precious people. Yeah. You know, they need to be, you know, we live in a society that worships these like nothing stars that like don't do anything. And we have these people that literally have saved worlds. Um, but, and, and two, it's like, it's part of me is like, no, it's kind of for us though. Like those people are for us. We don't like, I'll be happy to go out there and be the, be the poster, poster person for, for indigenous reclamation and whatever. Right. But like, I'm always aware of like, yeah, but it's the Maggie's Maggie, you know, it's like, uh, and there's a Maggie in every community too, almost in every family. So, um, I'm getting like bumpy just thinking about it, you know, cause it's, 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 it's it's heavy. And, um, and so often I think the, the wider society wants to pedestal and put up like one person to be like, wow, look at what this person is doing. Um, and that's nice and all too, but it doesn't really accurately speak to, like everything that's happening right love now. Love and the labor. Yeah, and the, exactly. The risk, really, too, that Maggie had to take to... That's the thing, you know? And, and she was... I think about getting to go in back home and perform this music for her is just the... It's the perfect uh, realization of what I wanted to do, which is to show that generation that had to grow up literally in, like, our songs are illegal and not to be shared into a context of like where they kind of brought the pride forward and said, yeah, no, we should be thinking about this and doing this and raised my parents' generation who kind of felt that energy around like, yeah, something's here. We got this. We got this. But also understood the precarity and like, oh, this is a, what a, what a time to be alive. And then now this kind of young generation is like, uh, we don't necessarily, we weren't raised in the same kind of shames. Yeah, and the same kinds of uh, uh, unokayness. <laughs> it's not a word, but <laughs> the same kind of precarity and like uh, we're just—it's a new time, it's a new day, and I feel like, of course, language is coming forward right now, and songs are coming forward right now because they're safe. Like it's safe now, yeah, for them to do so. I didn't even get to the song part. So your question was about how those how those old songs came. It was in that conversation, that five hour conversation with Maggie. And because a lot of those songs, she was saying, you know, we went everywhere, we went all over and we got songs from down south, we got songs from, from Mohawk territory, it's everywhere, right? But she said, you know, if you want to know about the old songs, you can't stay around here. She's like, you got to go to the museum. So she told me about these, these, these tapes, um, which were actually the wax cylinder recordings yeah. from uh, 1903 to 1911. And um, there's this anthropologist named William Meshling who lived among our people and gathered over a hundred of our traditional songs. So she really encouraged me. She said, you know, if you really want to study the old songs, you've got to go there. And and then there was that sort of directive, that's Auntie Energy right there. Yeah, like, you got to do this. You got to. You know, and you're like, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. But yeah. she she also there was an important caveat to that too. It was like you got to go there and 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 see it and and bring them out and use them for the people. And Where was the museum? Was it close so, by? So no, not close by at all. <laughs> so it was in it was in Getzino in Quebec in Ottawa essentially. Okay. So at the National uh National Museum of History. Um 
so it was a it was a big undertaking. Like I put in my little application to the Canada Council for the Arts, yeah, and thankfully well, I was approved. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it was like yeah, it really set my uh, trajectory and allowed. So you me were to out like, of school at this point. I were, mm, yeah, this is I was just finished my kind of this 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 research project with Maggie was like my last hurrah and then I was like oh what am I gonna do now like um and I actually got a job as a as a music student I got a job in the nonprofit sector like totally not doing music yeah so I was like oh like a music grad with a job sure I'll take <laughs> like it a me. yeah so I totally stopped doing music and stopped focusing on that wow but this kind of pro Every time I go home, Maggie'd be like, "How's that going?" Like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. they like check in. They plant the seed and they step away, but they'll check in. And then after a while, it was like, "Oh yeah, I gotta." This is a responsibility now that I'm holding, so I took it very seriously, and uh, I applied for that grant on the side while I was working, and then kind of started to do that research, you know. But all the time working a day job, so it was like, I was trying to pull myself into. Wow. Um, but anyway, I got to go to that museum, sit there for a week and be just transformed by everything that was there. Like, cause it wasn't just the songs also, it was also photographs yeah. and also like sacred items that are incarcerated in those spaces. Mm, that's a great and, way to put it. <laughs> well, yeah, I think too, we, we have to start speaking honestly about museums and archives and what those are for and who those are for. Um, because basically what they've done is they've cataloged our culture because they thought we were dying out because they were killing us. And then, and that builds the romanticism. Yes, exactly. And then, and then they keep a key and then they charge a fee Yeah, and then our artists and our people don't have access to these spaces. Um, they're inaccessible to us. And so for me, um, I guess broadly, when I think about what the work is, it's thinking, yeah, you know, I really love doing music and making concerts and that kind of stuff. Um, and doing this language work is really, really vital and important for me. Um, but taking back what's ours kind of underpins a lot of the work in terms of the literal transference and rematriation of our culture, which um, goes from the hands of colonial institutions like museums, like archives, like universities, like churches, all of that stuff, um, and transferring that into the hands of our people, in which then they are able to collectively decide what happens with that. Yeah. You know, whether or not it goes into our museums or, you know, mm-hmm. and that could mean like building our museums, you know, and there, there needs to be maybe a big conversations about what, what an indigenous museum even looks like. And, you know, <laughs> but anyway, but th- those are fundamentally conversations for us to have and decide on. And I feel like for a long time we have been cut out of that conversation and the answer has been, oh, well, you just don't have the, you don't have the facilities to care for it like we do. So we're just going to hang on to it for you because, and this is just paternalism, you know, Times carried on. A gajillion, exactly. yeah. yeah. exactly. So yeah. it's, um, we got to go a better way. Yeah. And you know what? If that, I heard about this one, was One Nation Out West too, and they, they kind of started to rematriate some of their stuff. And they actually had ceremonies and they burned it. No kidding. Yeah. Because they were like, you know what? This is their home now. Yeah. We can now have a ceremony. Oh. <gasps> 
uh, for these relatives, you know, and so they didn't keep, they cataloged it and took pictures of it, but they, then they were like, this needs to be burned. Yeah. You know, so, (laughs) but, and that's, you know, as a, as somebody who's like, whoa, we got to have this stuff and it's so sacred. And, you know, I'm like mortified. And yet that's their, that's their sovereign choice as a people, you Mm -hmm. know, and, um, and, and, and I want to equip because it's not just, when I look at that archive, it's not just Willowstoke. There's, there's, there's archives from nation, 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 coast to coast to coast. So I would just want to have conversations with every community that I go visit to be like, go check it out. Like to the young artists, like go explore there. Those are, is our things there. We don't need to ask permission. You know, we don't even need to ask forgiveness. We need to insist on accessibility for all. That's right. You know, and and did the songs start writing themselves as you were listening to these? Obviously, I yeah. I, I mean, kind of in a way. Some of them came easier than others. Um, it, it, it was a it was an act of repetition, right? So you know, I didn't listen to these songs once or twice. Like it was it was once I kind of got them, you know, in a format that I could take them away and listen to them, um, which I won't talk about in a way that's recorded but um (laughs) once once those recordings became mine um yeah it was just a matter of deep listening and like actually uh dialoguing through time with those recordings because yeah when you sit there and you listen to it it's like oh they want they're asking to be responded to you know and I was, I'm thinking sometimes like when, when this anthropologist, he showed up, you know, in our communities and, um, brought his, his big bell gramophone and, and, and said, Hey, sing your songs. I think sometimes like, uh, where did those ancestors think that they were sending those songs yeah. when they leaned into the gramophone and, and started to sing and tell the story of that song? Where was it going for them? I don't know, but maybe it was here. Maybe they sent it to us and now we can send it forward too, right? Because what what, what kind of blew my mind was when I sat in that archival space and started to listen to over a hundred songs, I didn't recognize any of them. Okay. And I'm not somebody that was disconnected. Like we were we were in the culture. In the culture, we knew yeah. the songs, you know, and yet now there's one song that had stayed. But pretty much all of these songs had gone. And so I mean, the beautiful thing is now we, we, we're seeing that come back. We're seeing the reversal of that, right? And so now we have, just through this little project, we have those kind of songs starting to be sung again, those dances now coming back with the songs. Um, it's a very exciting time. Um, and it's a celebration. But um, it didn't happen just through the work of one person or out of nowhere, right? Like, uh, wow. I always speak Maggie's name because without her and the work that she did and also the direction that she gave and pointed towards, oh, none of this is possible. So I'm just trying to, to, to fulfill her vision and her dream and her world. Um, Again, another auntie. Whoa. Yeah. Right. And, and it goes back to like being, feeling like really, really guided by, by these powerful women around me and, and, and just trusting that the wisdom in which they've accrued in this life um, will be a safe guide to everything that they couldn't live 
right? Like what I'm doing is not possible 30 years ago. Right. You know, getting to be on stages and talk to the country is is a is a wide responsibility in and the ways and that it's you've a, done and it's a recent responsibility listen i'm just trying to take it up you know and trying to to meet the moment i was sometimes it comes not out of like anything i planned but just out of being in space and being shocked like i was at the, i remember being at the junos a couple of years back and people who were winning their awards just kind of got up and like oh thank you to the manager and and my publicist and and whatever, it's fine. Uh, you can do that, and that's your your fully your right to do so. Uh, my manager and my publicist, they know how I feel about their work, and yeah, thumbs up. Um, <laughs> I don't need to take that space from where I'm talking to a room full of people and there's cameras on me uh, when we're in the middle of Wet'suwet'en, right. uh, when we're in the middle of water crises, when the land back lane, you know, all of these things. It's like, use it. You're here. You have a mic. There's all these people listening, so just use it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, if it, if it happened today, I probably would have said something completely different. Well, and then they played you off the stage, right? Oh, <laughs> listen, Jeremy. listen, I will not be, I will not be played off stage. No. This is, and, and you know what? And if I am some, uh, some, some, some nice settlers going to give me their platform the to, or... to, to finish it off. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're, they're so sweet. And that, um, but it's what should be happening. Yeah. Right? Well, I just think we, it's been so long where we haven't had the discussion. It's been so long. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, as soon as you start to show up to the party and wanting to have that discussion, there's going to be people that don't want you to have that discussion. They play you up this week. That's okay. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'll ever meet that person, mm-hmm. but uh, that's okay. That's okay. They were just doing their job. Uh, and I just felt like I was in that space for some reason. Uh, well, because you won the awards. <laughs> Let's just, I love I how you so. didn't mention that at the top, but that's who you are, right? I suppose so. But yeah, like, uh, <laughs> the responsibility of that. Yeah. Having to, yeah, it's a lot. And then understand, yeah. Is that stressful? Um, is it stressful? Um, to your to your creativity, does it? It's a different. It's a different lane. Yeah. So for me, I, I I compartmentalize what I do with music and what I do in around music or like in activism spaces or um, as kind of a different, not a different person, but just a different part of me, yeah. right? And so, music music is the softest part of me. You know, it's like the it's like the air or the water that surrounds me. And I try to like swim in that or be in that as much as I can. Um Yeah, the responsibility of feeling like you have to say something. Oh yeah. But again, it's like it's also self uh you put it on yourself. Yeah. Um It because- seems like you have support. I do as well for that of course like within right? your community definitely right? and, like very well supported in that way yeah. and I guess that's what allows me to feel okay to do it um, because I know I have I, I got backup um, and I feel well guided by as discussed lots of aunties mm-hmm. um, and yet um, you know I could I could just as well be an artist and not show up and say anything and just 
go and take my word and, mm -hmm. you know, say thank you. Uh, it never felt like holding space responsibly, though. Yeah. You know, it's the easy way and it's the way that doesn't, you know, turn heads or... But I mean, I'm already turning heads with what I'm wearing. You are. So why not... Described, who was that? It was Zoff? Zoff. Zoff. Yeah. The designer mm -hmm. of these... The gowns. Astounding gowns. Yeah, the early, the early, the early stage gowns. Uh, these are done by, by Michael Zoff. Uh, yeah, we're moving on to a little, a little something else now. Kind of a, a different aesthetic. Uh, working with new designers, and uh, that's a really fun part of it too for me. Yeah. I didn't realize at, at the outset like uh, I would actually quite enjoy that that part of, of bringing a look. Oh, it's you know? just marvelous. It's just so. I don't know if liberating is the right word. It's just so joyous mm. and so beautiful. Thank you. And it uh, really shifts something I know in so many people. So it's part of that same work. Mm. Um, well, it's liberated me, I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, I remember the kind of the, one of the first, the Polaris Prize in 2018. Um, we were about to go on stage and I remember I, my mom saw the, saw the outfit for the first time. And it's a very revealing, mm -hmm. uh, revealing piece of clothing. Um, thank you, Zoff. Thank you, Zoff. Very brilliant. <laughs> um, and my mom, you know, bless her. I just love her so much. Mm. Um, but we're all trying to decolonize, you know, and that moment when I first got to show her that outfit, she says, oh, she kind of looked at it a little sideways and said, oh, honey, like, I thought this was about the culture, mm -hmm. you know, this project. Mm -hmm. And aren't you worried that you'll distract from that? And I said, mom, this is the culture, though. Yeah. You know, we have to remember that that gender play and those people that were between our two spirit brothers and sisters there was always a place for us. There was never, no one was outside the circle. You know, we didn't have the luxury at that time of, of, of homophobia or transphobia. Everyone had a place, you know, and it wasn't always, yeah, it wasn't always the place that we, um, <clears throat> where do I want to go with this? Everybody has a place in the circle. Yeah. Never forget that. Well, it feels ceremonial as well. Your take mm. on two-spirit ways of beings, the the magic of that. Yeah. And the it's so expansive. It's too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, totally. Yeah, and it's just, a, it's a different, it's a different starting place than than how Christianity would, would start with a deficit model of like a sin or like a... yeah. Uh, like it's not it's not rooted in that. Like uh, we root our identities in the gifts that we bring, yeah. right? And so when we think about all those gifts that that two spirit people bring to a community, um, that that's an unbroken chain that never stopped, right? Um, it was just the the imposition of Christian doctrine and and of homophobia and transphobia that shifted are thinking around this. So there's an unlearning and a relearning um, that, we're, that we're trying to do right now. Um, in my mind, 
as somebody who perhaps hasn't healed around this, but has seen a path to healing around being myself in my cultural space. Um, I want to show that to people all the time, you know, yeah. and, and I, and I think about the elders that I've guided me, like the Maggie's and our grand chief Ron Tremblay. And these are all incredibly affirming elders. And I, I never felt less than or othered mm-hmm. in our, in our spaces. Amazing. And this is, I've come to know that that's quite rare, quite rare, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a lot of othering, uh, p- particularly around gender and sexuality in ceremony space. And, um, I just think that needs to, that needs to, we need to understand where that comes from and unlearn that real quick because the, the medicine that is offered by, by our, our, our queer kin Mm -hmm. is I think what's going to shift us in a big way. And I think remembering that magic and equipping queer people themselves in order to view themselves in this way, because for so long it's been less than you know when even the thought of coming out you That's know right. <laughs> it's like yeah if there's a diminished yeah view I, right of, the assumption is this right. and then i'm gonna have to tell you otherwise yeah um exactly but we had better we had such better ways of understanding people's role and their place and what the gift like i said what they brought to the people um we're getting there but it's uh yeah uh, so with what I wear and with, with how I present, it, it is about the culture too, right? It's about bringing us back home to a place where we're not othering people within our own circle. That's, oh, that is not our way. No way, shape, or form is that our way. Um, we unleashed. Yeah. We unleashed. <laughs> we unleashed the beast of the East. Look out. A big thanks for visiting with us today. And the great news is there's more to be had. Be sure to look for part two of our visit with Jeremy Dutcher in December. And as always, listen to your aunties. Mm-hmm.